0: Hey, it's the first pres Monday check-in. We'll have a chat but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first pres Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello everyone. Look, we're next to each other. Hi. <laughs> surprised. You're
1: not in a box on a screen.
0: <laughs> you seemed surprised that I was here.
1: I all of a sudden I was I was because I'm looking at a box on a screen, but you're in the box yeah. on the screen, and you're also sitting right next to me. It's great.
0: Looking at a box on a screen—that's—that's that's not modernity. <laughs> but I, I don't—I <laughs> don't know what is. Is That modernity,
1: or is that post modernity?
0: It's whatever age we're living in.
1: Yes, which is post modern, I think.
0: Yeah, but isn't, like, isn't post modern like a like if um. It's a philosophy, yeah, philosophical sort of.
1: But I think, and we should ask like one of our historian friends, like Catherine Bieba, this question. But like, I think modernity is a particular era in history, and I think we're we're not in that era in history anymore. We're 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 post modernity, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, whatever era we're in, we spend a lot of time looking at boxes on screens. On
1: screens, it's so true.
0: Yeah. So, and so I'm
1: glad to be looking at your actual <laughs> face and not just a box on a screen.
0: Yes. But, of course, most people watching this are watching a box on a screen.
1: Good point. <laughs> um,
0: uh, this is the Monday check-in. I have one other <laughs> thing to say about this. Um, I think it was Edward R. Murrow, the, the famous news yes. person, said something to the effect of, um, he was like, talking about television, that it... This is not the quote, but the quote had the sentiment of this. Like, if it doesn't have, if what you're watching doesn't have, like, meaning or purpose to it, then it's just lights and sounds emanating from a box. I mm. should look up the actual quote sometime, but it was really, it was very good.
1: So, prior to the advent of the smartphone, um, I was at a conference and a guy said, if aliens came down to Earth. Yeah. At, at, and to the United States at 7 o'clock in the evening, they would think we were some of the most religious and pious people because almost every family is sitting in their living rooms staring at a, a box that emanates light. And they would think that we are religiously worshipping uh, this this box that emanates light. And I thought that's so true. Like, How much time do we spend watching TV versus engaging in what we would call normal religious activities. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that sort of watching that box that emanates light is our religion? And that yeah. would be the perspective of aliens who didn't understand televisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or sometimes I wonder, <clears throat> archaeologists a thousand years from now, assuming that there are still archaeologists, yeah. right, um, who uncover all of our things, yeah. like what they would... Well, this was this box, or you know, or now this little thing. That was clearly the most important thing to, like, they have a whole culture that revolved around
1: this. Yeah, this right. little
0: thing. They, you know, just because that's what there's like the most of. Yep. In our lives. This is the Monday check in. <laughs> I'm Damon. He's Greg. We are pastors of First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska. And uh, what we do eventually on this little thing is we take a look at the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday, and we have a little study about it, a little conversation. We ask questions of it, it uh, asks questions of us, and on and on we go. And then we switch gears We talk a little bit about the life of the church at First Pres Hastings. And we typically begin with a word of prayer. Is it you or I?
1: I'll take it. All right, go for it. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the technology that allows us to not only have this conversation, but allows us to share this conversation with others. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to sit in a room and study your word and the call that it places on our lives. May your Holy Spirit move among us today, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of truth, a spirit of understanding and above all, a spirit of love. May it ultimately be your love for us and our call to love our neighbors that guides us as we interpret your word and as we go about our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for this upcoming
0: Sunday, uh, we're taking a look at this passage from Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 12.
1: And I'll... Little note here. Yeah. So normally we follow the lectionary uh, during note, the academic like a, year. It's like an eighth note. An eighth note. Mm-hmm. Uh, might this might be quarter note? Oh, depends okay. on how long I talk.
0: <laughs> so it depends on the time signature, indeed.
1: Too. Um. So the uh, we normally follow the lectionary, which are the prescribed readings, the revised common lectionary. Uh, and this is slightly off lectionary, but it's not because this is the prescribed reading for this week for. Canadian Thanksgiving Day.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Sure. And believe it or not, Canadian yeah. Thanksgiving Day gets their own set of readings mm. in the Revised Common Lectionary. Yeah. And uh, I was reading through the readings for the month of October, mm-hmm. and I wasn't following the headings, and so I read this thinking was this was the reading <laughs> for this week in October. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. went back later and checked, and I was like, oh, this was not the reading for... Um, I think we're on the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. This was the reading for Canadian Thanksgiving Day. However, uh, once I read it and slotted it into my uh, my sermon series, I thought this works really well. Uh, so that's what we're going with.
0: Okay, fair enough. Now, do the readings for Canadian Thanksgiving Day differ from the readings for...
1: U.S. Thanksgiving
0: Day? Yeah. They do. Interesting. See, now that's extra interesting.
1: Right, and there, there are prescribed readings from the Revised Common Lectionary for United States Thanksgiving Day as well. Sure, and they're different. They're than... different than the ones for Canadian Thanksgiving Day.
0: Hmm. Well, there you go. That sounds like a forum series to
1: me. Um, well, since you're the one who <laughs> schedules the forums, I'd say make it... I know somebody who served on the Revised Common Lectionary yeah. committee that put together the Revised Common Lectionary, so we could call her yeah and see if she wants to zoom into a forum yeah. and tell us about how she may not have the answer to the question about Thanksgiving Day but she could have a she would have a larger insight in term in terms of what was selected for the revised common lectionary
0: huh. interesting all right well deuteronomy 26 1 through 12 from uh, in honor of Canadian Thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> it just takes place sometime this week october 20th
1: i don't know it might have been yesterday, the 16th. Mm. Let me check. We'll, we'll figure it out. Go to this. As I work,
0: get out this light box here.
1: <laughs> oh, it was actually Monday, October 10th. Oh, what? Don't ask. Okay. Just keep moving. <laughs> uh, Deuteronomy
0: 26, no matter what the occasion, reads like this. Once you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. The priest will then take the basket from you and place it before the Lord your God's altar. Then... You should solemnly state before the Lord your God. This is like a catechism. My father was a starving Aramean. He went down to Egypt living as an immigrant there with few family members. But that is where he became a great nation, mighty and numerous. The Egyptians treated us terribly, oppressing us and forcing hard labor on us. So we cried out for help to the Lord, to the Lord, our ancestors, God, the Lord heard our call. God saw our misery, our trouble, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with awesome power and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land full of milk and honey. So now I am bringing the early produce of the fertile ground that you, Lord, have given me. Set the produce before the Lord your God, then celebrate all the good things the Lord your God has done for you and your family. When you have finished paying the entire tenth part of your produce, you will give it to the Levites, the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows, so they can eat in your cities until they are full. That's uh, where it ends. Greg, what do you got?
1: Well, uh, some interesting talk about uh, what we often call first fruits giving, mm-hmm. uh, the notion of, of giving the, the first or the best of your crops uh, to the work of God in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, at the end here, we actually introduce the concept of tithing. The yeah. word tithe is from Old English, from the Latin root of 10th. And so uh, we read when you have finished paying the entire tenth part of your produce and then there's an instruction on what you're supposed to do with your tithe which is uh, give it to the work of those living on the margins to ensure that they uh, they can thrive yeah so um, there's a lot a lot of good stuff to unpack in here Of course um, I should have perhaps provided a setting for this this is uh, this is Deuteronomy. This is the, this is the, the climax of, of the Exodus story, right? So the, the Israelites have left Egypt. They've wandered in the wilderness for almost 40 years. They're standing on the Moab plain overlooking the fertile Jordan River Valley. And they've been promised this is, this is their promised land. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. And this is the, the talk that is given to them just before they enter that land. That, um, you know, here's your promised land. By the way, you have a special responsibility uh, once you get there, which is to, uh, to give your first fruits back to God and to tithe to ensure uh, that everyone who's there can thrive, including, mm-hmm. as it lists, the, immigrant, the Levites, who are the priestly class, right, right. the pastors, mm-hmm. uh, the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows, so that they can eat in your cities until they're full.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I just kind of said casually and offhand while I was reading it, which I sometimes do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they, this like, this is instruction for, okay, here's what you should do now that you're all settled, now that you've got all your boxes unpacked. Here's, here's what you should do. Um, and there is this sense of, yeah, to me, like it reads almost like a catechism, uh-huh. Right, like, um,
1: explain to our sure, loyal so listeners it, what a catechism
0: is. Well, here's what I think that a catechism is. I don't know what the the catechism the word catechism must mean like in teaching or instruction I, or something. I don't know, but a catechism would have been uh, typically it was like a series of questions yes. and answers that, yes. uh, and it was a way that a person would sort of. To understand or be able to reflect upon like the core tenets of the faith.
1: Yes, right. be, be instructed in their faith. Yep, yeah. I and, think you've got that right.
0: Yep, and so folks would use it as a part of a confirmation class. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, you know the, I don't know which version of the catechism, but the first question is, you know, what is the chief purpose of man, we would say, what well, is the chief purpose of humankind? Right. And the chief purpose is to... Praise God and something. glorify
1: God and enjoy him forever. See, there you go. Right. And so that's, that's from the Westminster shorter catechism, okay. uh, which is in our book of confessions as Presbyterians. So, yes.
0: Catechism is not a thing that I grew up with. Yes. <laughs>
1: okay. um, but we've adopted you into this Presbyterian fold. And so, sure. um, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Yeah. With this sense, like, why should you, like the question is essentially, why should you give an offering right right and then the answer is this is what you should respond when someone says that my because my father was because my father was a starving aramean um because we had nothing and god gave us all of this essentially i'm paraphrasing now um and out of ingratitude for those gifts mm-hmm. then then we give an offering
1: yeah right? I like that framing as a catechism. That's that. That's uh, that's good.
0: Yeah. Well, I just like, then you should solemnly state before the like, night. yeah. This, it's
1: it's formulaic, right?
0: Yeah, and it gives you kind of a sense of this must be like kind of what a part of a worship looked like for them, mm-hmm. right? When they went to make a sacrifice, um, yeah. at the at the temple or wherever the priests were set up. For it, right? That there would have been. It wasn't just. Well, here's the thing. Um, there, what like? But we talk about what does this mean and why are we doing this? Um, and and this reminder of. Also, that it. I also like that it's a reminder, not just, of God's gracious activity for me, for the individual, but of God's gracious activity for those who came before me. Yeah, as
1: well. There's a whole history to it, and then that we're swept up in that grace, and then we become agents of that grace in our giving, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the last part. When you have finished paying the entire tenth, you will give it to these folks, uh,
0: to the church, to the
1: Levites, and they will ensure that it goes to those who are living on the margins who need your help. That's that sort of thing. And so it's there's a lot of really rich stuff there to, to dig into. Um, I did a little bit of research on this passage and, and learned that uh, in present-day Israel, in the Holy Land, in the Jewish tradition, this notion of giving your first fruits is still something that's very actively practiced. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, uh, with the climate there, uh, props will start to ripen right around the start of Passover. And um, there's a tradition of bringing the first ripe fruit from the tree or uh, the first ripened vegetable to the temple. Uh, Sometimes even with a bow tied around it, which I just love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a direct uh, response to this passage in Deuteronomy 26. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that would be interesting. Um, So this obviously also comes from a very agriculturally based society and culture um which we kind of are but not really right we don't have any (laughs) fruit
1: farmers here right uh that I know of if if you're a fruit farmer and you're listening (laughs) respond back to us and let us know that you are a fruit farmer yeah
0: yeah I'm not aware of a lot of folks running orchards
1: right I'm aware of a lot of folks who uh plant gardens yeah we have a lot of gardeners and we have people working directly in agriculture mostly in the cultivation of of corn and soy but Mm -hmm. yeah um Sorry, beans. They call it beans. They don't call it soy. It's, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah, no, I think our gardeners can can and should relate to this. And what's cool is our gardeners, at least the ones in our congregation, are very generous with their produce. They, mm-hmm. they uh, give it away to folks, uh, including those yeah. in need. I have a really great, and I may even use this as a sermon illustration on Sunday. Um, the Nielsen pumpkin patch, which is out by Minden. Okay. They grow pumpkins, and you go pick it yourself, and it's all self-service. So you drive in, and you pick up a little sheet, and then uh, as you're leaving, you fill out your sheet and you put money in a bag sure, yeah. and leave it. It's like all it's it's a beautiful, very Nebraskan thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that they do out there is not just grow uh, traditional Halloween pumpkins; they also grow all kinds of squash and gourds.
0: Sure,
1: um, and they had a bumper harvest this year, like just. And so they loaded up a couple of pickup trucks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they drove them into the Hastings Middle School Garden and uh, unloaded them. And on tonight, Monday night, uh, they've invited the whole community to come out mm. and get all of this squash yeah. that they had. And it's, it's, it's almost like a, a first fruits giving.
0: Yeah, you make all of your <clears throat> fall
1: soups that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jessica makes a killer <laughs> killer uh when it's uh um butternut squash soup, sure. She also she may, she also makes um she makes a, a sauce out of the butternut squash mm-hmm. which you can use as like a pizza sauce or for pasta. Oh,
0: it's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I like most gardeners that I know are very generous with what comes out of their garden. Yeah. Right? And I wonder if there isn't something just about the process, um, and seeing the process and knowing that really you had little to do with it.
1: Yeah. Apart you know, from watering you make, and weeding and yeah, yeah, you,
0: you helped to make sure that there was water on it and, uh, and tried to keep the weeds down as best you were able, you know, and that sort of stuff, but beyond like. But even you can kind of create good conditions right. for it. Yep. But you can't make that thing grow. Right. Like you can't make that seed germinate. You can't right. make the pollinators pollinate. Like, <laughs> um, and I just wonder if there isn't, even if you're not really consciously aware of that. Yeah. If there isn't just something to the, like, you know, I, I didn't, I, this is not my work. Right? I mean, it is, but it's really not.
1: Right. So if, if any gardeners are... That would just, uh, like, yeah. tend
0: to a person, like, being more generous Yeah. with that.
1: Like, if any gardeners are listening, let us know if that sort of either directly or, or indirectly impacts your generosity with, with the produce of your garden. But mm-hmm. but that ties in directly with the theology of stewardship, right? Because yeah. at its core, we recognize that... that Everything that we have and really everything that we are uh, comes from God, is a gift from God. And so what we're doing throughout our daily lives is stewarding the resources that God has given us. Um, yeah. And so that's a, that's a great connection there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is stewardship time. So that makes sense. Right? It makes me think, what if you did stewardship um, time in like, it doesn't work this way because of the way that we've decided that years work and financial years work mm-hmm. but <laughs> um the different things that you could do if stewardship season was like in the summer right or you know like when when the first fruits are starting to come in what that would yeah look like so or, yeah i wonder even even like expanding it out from this idea of, if we start thinking about first fruits, obviously more metaphorically, right? Right. I, I don't raise a I don't raise a garden. About pulling weeds, that's not for me. I don't enjoy it at all. Um, but then, what uh, what do I do then? And what, what what do the what would the first fruits of that look like or be? Yeah.
1: But. So I'll, I'll, I'll maybe wind down our study with um, one of the most fun stories of first fruits giving that I've experienced, mm-hmm. which is in the Dominican Republic. Um, and they they take this literally, yeah, uh, similar to what I was describing in Israel. But in the Dominican Republic, it's like, yeah, once your crop. And so they do a first fruit Sunday, which is right around when many of their fruits and vegetables are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you 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 bring them into the church and you set them in front of the communion table. And yeah. uh, it's a, this amazing visual display of this, of God's abundance, right? And that's in a context where, you know, uh, material abundance is not always as prevalent. And so I happened to be in a church in the Dominican Republic on First Fruit Sunday when they were doing this. Hmm. So in addition to the produce, the fruits and the vegetables... They also sometimes bring in um, their livestock that they are giving as a oh. gift to the church, uh, and they bring Let's... it right into the church. Uh, and by livestock, I'm talking about chickens. Sure, and and so um, that's a big gift. So one person walks in with um, a rooster, mm-hmm. and there's a, a string tied around its leg, and they tie it, and, and it's maybe a. Two, three foot long string, and they tie an, the end of the string to uh the leg of the communion table.
0: Okay, sure.
1: So there's there's a rooster, there's all sorts of wonderful fruits and vegetables. The rooster's checking out some of these fruits and vegetables as you would expect it to do. Um and then somebody else brings in a rooster. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they didn't notice the first rooster, or if they did this on purpose. <laughs> But they also had a string tied to its leg and, so, and then they tied their string to the other side of the communion table. Mm-hmm. And there there were two roosters. Um, and after about five or ten minutes from the service starting, the two roosters noticed each other. Did they? <laughs> it
0: took them that long. <laughs> it did. They, they
1: probably weren't the smartest roosters. Um, and uh, if any of you know that occasionally roosters will fight with each other when they see each other Mm -hmm. Um, and in the Dominican Republic actually this is something they do for sport Mm -hmm. Um, and so before we knew it in the middle of this worship service uh, there were two roosters that were fighting each other in front of all the first fruits giving at the front of the church and so ushers immediately went in and we've never asked this of our ushers yet (laughs) Uh, though I suppose the Risk is always there on Blessing the Pets Sunday that an usher would have to intervene and stop a a dispute between a dog and a cat or two dogs. But anyways, they separated the two and kept them far enough away from each other for the rest of the service that we didn't have an issue. And what I'll tell you is that I had the best chicken stew I've ever eaten in my life Mm -hmm. about an hour after that worship service end because they took all of this produce from the first fruits and they took these two roosters... Mm -hmm. And I ate really well that afternoon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that is doing this, right? That is bringing in these gifts and then using those gifts to serve people. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what this is, is, is asking folks to do. Bring in your gifts and then use those gifts um, to serve people. Right? and yeah. in particular, the vulnerable right amongst you, the vulnerable within your communities, within your churches, within your families, whatever the whatever the case may be, so yeah I don't know you think it'll you think it'll preach I think it'll preach hmm. yeah, it'll probably preach, so time to switch gears, yeah, let's do it all right, who's switching gears? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, so... uh I'm on the passenger side. We... <laughs> not from their perspective. I
0: don't know from their perspective.
1: Well, I guess we'll see when we post it. Who's on the driver's side and who's on the passenger's side.
0: Well, sure, but th- I mean, this is my right hand. Right. Which should demonstrate that I'm sitting on the right side.
1: Yeah. So... um we had fall break last week, which means we took a pause, a, a Sabbath pause, if you will, from Wednesday Night Live last Wednesday and from Sunday School this Sunday. Uh, everything's swinging back into full... Uh, f- full... Swing. Swing of <laughs> swinging things. Yeah. Uh, so this Wednesday...
0: swinging back into full Lawrence Welk.
1: Yeah. So this Sunday we will have, our. this Wednesday we will have Wednesday Night Live for our preschoolers through our fifth graders, uh, as well as a uh, family-style dinner that starts at uh, about 6 o'clock. Um, our new members class will also be joining our kids for that. So um, if you miss the new members class and are interested in joining the church, reach out to me and we can talk about what that might look like. Um, and so that's Wednesday nights mm-hmm. on Sunday. Morning. We'll be back in the full swing of worship. We have our eight thirty contemplative service in the chapel, uh, followed by our Sunday school hour at nine fifteen. We got Sunday school for all ages, uh, from littles like three years old all the way through till um, well, shall we say, more seasoned adults. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there's often an octogenarian in the forum. Sometimes two. Yeah. 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 At least one.
0: I mean, we don't card people at the door, but yeah, <laughs> we got a pretty good idea. We got church records. We can check them if we need to. Uh, speaking of forum, also, I was going to say, I don't really think that Lawrence Welk did a lot of swing music.
1: So you're correcting your previous oh, yeah. statement?
0: Yeah, before somebody else does.
1: I appreciate that. At any
0: rate. Uh Speaking of, of forum on Sunday mornings, our scholar in residence, Dan Deffenbaugh, uh, is currently leading a forum series, taking a look at the doctrine of universal salvation. Um, where does this come from? Where do we get it? Um, that sort of thing. What does, it, what does it mean? What is salvation? Maybe just in general, what, what do we mean when we talk about God's saving work in the world? So... That is, he's done two sessions of it. The third session is this coming Sunday, uh, and it is a four-session deal. The previous sessions uh, have been posted to YouTube, so folks can find them. Uh, and if you missed the previous sessions, that's fine. Yeah, just show up anyway. Uh, Dan is amazing at explaining things and getting people on board. You'd be able to hop right in, really, without without any sort of an issue whatsoever. And then this week on Sunday evenings, um, as Greg, you mentioned, last week was fall break, so we didn't have uh, junior high, senior high, bells, choir, and youth group, but that will resume this coming Sunday. So folks can look forward to that as well. And then do you want to talk about this thing or do you want me to talk about this thing? Why don't you talk about this thing? (laughs) Fair enough. On Sunday November 6th, the Congregational Life Committee has been working to, for actually a couple of years, this was a thing (laughs) that they planned to do pre-COVID, and then you are all familiar with the effects of COVID, so that has put this on pause for a couple of years, and um, now we are sort of, we are in a place right now where we feel that we can do this, and, and do this well, and do this safely. And so, what is this? It is for what well, we've started calling from days of old a living history evening at First Presbyterian Church. So, there will be a dinner in the fellowship hall at five o'clock. Um, really, all are welcome to come to that dinner. There will be a free will donation taken at the dinner. Uh, all the food will be provided, and the food is based off of, inspired by beloved First Presbyterian Church recipes from throughout the years. Uh, sometimes the recipes have been tweaked maybe just a little bit, uh, updated perhaps, post-modernized we might say. Um, post-modern food is an interesting concept. It's, it's both there and not there, I guess. It could be anything. It could be a tomato and a cucumber. I guess, right? Uh, What is the truth of the food? Who knows what it is. Uh, But at any rate, so that's at 5. And then at 6.15, there is a program in the sanctuary. And the program will convey um, various uh, historical stories uh, about First Presbyterian Church. There will be little sort of reenactment sorts of things. So we'll get to hear um, accounts from... Uh, from previous pastors so someone will be portraying those pastors we'll get to hear uh, an eyewitness account of the the great fire of 1910 um other things that i can't remember off the top of my head right now but you can come to both you could come to one and not to the other that's just fine as well i think it'll be a really fun evening i think it'll be a really interesting evening and um you know, a sort of a way of helping us to remember our own history,
1: yeah. I suppose. right? which will be great, uh, particularly because next year we'll, we'll celebrate our 150th anniversary as a church. So this will kind of a preview of that. And, and more than likely, whatever is developed at this Living History Night will be something that we uh, expand upon and do a little bit more with next year for our 150th church anniversary. So we hope you can join us.
0: Yeah.
1: Anything else? I think that's all. All right, then let's have a word of prayer. All right.
0: Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the ways that your grace has worked in the world throughout all of history. We thank you for the ways that you have drawn people to you, the ways that you have drawn people into communities of faith, into communities of support, communities of nurture, and communities of challenge. We thank you for your gracious gifts, which have sustained not only us, but sustained all of those who came before us. We thank you for the ways that your gracious gifts will sustain all those who follow us. Help us, O oh God, as we move throughout all of our days to remember that really all that we have comes from you. Help us to live lives that are full of gratitude. Help us to live lives that participate in your grace and that in some ways become your grace, perhaps for others. In your loving and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well then, with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.